Hi, Ron here and welcome. We love that you've come to join us here and listen to a lot of our episodes. Please help us continue with this by supporting us through either joining the Barack Center at thebarackcenter.com or joining us at the Fringe Church at thefringechurch.com and sharing and donating through those sources. And once again, thank you for joining us today. G'day. Hope everyone's having a good day today. Um, wanted to come to you. I love responding to people's questions and trying to help them uh, with things which have been challenging them. Uh, and this morning I, ha- I had a bit of a conversation with um, one of our friends of the church who um, had some very good and interesting questions. So it was predominantly around hell and the afterlife and things like this. There, there, there was a uh, a document a um, which someone wrote, which she found online, which had some interesting points. Um, it was, I presume, a guy from a secular world who put this put this up, um, basically talking about how uh, the Christian perspective of hell and and what we believe in is basically at the end of it is is some sort of psychological torture um, that we do on other people. But uh, I just wanted to come on here because um, it was a very interesting article and it brought up a lot of things because um, now let me preface this by saying I I'm fallible. I'm human. I'm talking from my experience, the things I've read and my influences. So by no means am I saying that, that I've got it all together and I know everything and this is the way it is. Um, as you know, there's, there's a spot in 2 Corinthians which says, search the scriptures for yourself. And I, I beg of you to do that. But what I want to do today is I want to talk to you, but I'm not going to talk to you um, and give you Bible verses. I just want to give you an overall view and try and unpack some of this stuff. So it might take a little while, so bear with me, because um, probably the the questions and what we've got to go through is is, is a lot. Um, but I'm just going to touch on some things and see how we go. Feel free to ask more questions, and I will get back and try and answer them to you as soon as I possibly can. Um, so let's start with one of the things we need to understand is the origins of evil. Um, so what is the origins of evil and how did evil come about? So if God is all powerful and created everything, how come there is evil? That is simple. Um, well, in my mind. Uh, so if God gives us free will, which I believe he does, um, the origins of evil is actually an action of love. Now, I know you think I'm crazy, but bear with me for a tick. So if God created everything and he said, you've got free will to choose me or not, it's up to you to do what you want with this life I've given you. And there has to be evil. There has to be a hell. There has to be. Otherwise, what is the choice which we are given? There is no free will if there is not evil. But because God loves us, like a world without free will, um, I think like a, I don't know, a German or a Swiss watchmaker may be the only person who'd like it because everything would be so automated and perfectly in, 
you know, the cogs turning together and everything working perfectly, uh, which, yeah, sounds good, but it would be more like a simulation of life. It would be more like, um, uh, you know, some sort of computer program or algorithm or something where there, there is no free will. For free will to exist, there has to be evil. I know that's a lot to take in and I know what you're going to say, you know, that that's if free will exists. And then there's the thing about free will predetermination. So let's get into that a little bit. So one thing I want to say is, is from the physics point of view, when we've uh, explored physics and things, we talk about, we think in three dimensions, right? Um, in, in space. So, yeah, we've got one axis and the other axis and, and, um, we think of that's how we plot something in space. Um, and we think of everything in three dimensions, but that's not actually accurate. We can tell through humans that there's actually four dimensions. Uh, there's time. Time is a dimension. The tricky thing with time is so that there's, um, what they call a quantum clock. So quantum clocks are incredibly accurate scientific devices. So we got two of them that I know of in the world. Um, one is in Greenwich and the other one is in America and I forget where it is, but it's in America anyway. So they've got these two quantum clocks and the quantum clocks are accurate accurate, accurate, like a, a thousandth of a second, they're accurate and they stay very good. But the, the issue is that these two clocks, the one in Geneva and, and the other one, they have to adjust them. So they have to adjust one to match the other one. Every year, there's a tiny little bit of an increment of adjustment, which needs doing. Um, so you might think, well, which one's broken? What's going on? The trick is neither of them are broken. They both work perfectly. But the difference is there are different altitudes, different levels from sea level. So what they run differently because gravity affects time. I know, boom, right? Um, so the two clocks need to be adjusted because they're at two different levels from sea level. So that they stay accurate. Our um, satellites, which are orbiting, which do our GPS and those sort of things need to be adjusted uh, same sort of thing because of the gravity actually changes time. You'll find people who do space travel. So you go off and you fly for a couple of years off to some astral body and come back. Time for that person is different to someone who's sitting on earth. I know there's a lot to get your head around and, and look, there's a whole physics lesson around this, which I'm not going to get into, but just get this idea that time is different. But when you get into it even further, they theorize that there is between 10 and 26 dimensions. Uh, 10 I kind of get, 26, I don't know, it might be a bit of a stretch, but you know, um, that, that affect us and uh, space and things like that. Um, so when you think of it, when we're taught in school, so what I've got this for is to give you a bit of an idea. When we think of time, we think of a timeline. So like this, and we're often in school, we're told we're given to do a timeline and we, we write about the things which happen along someone's history, someone's life or some event and what came up to it in the precursor. So we think of time as a straight line, but it's not, you see. Time is for God something different because God is outside of time. For God, it's more like this. 
He can see the beginning from the end. He can see all of it at once. And it does not deny that we have free will. It's just that he can see the outcome of the, make, the things we're going to choose before we do it. doesn't mean that he's already predestined what we're going to do. So I think that question is actually fairly irrelevant when you consider the dimensional idea and how time works. And when God looks at things from outside of time itself and what he sees, yes, he sees the beginning. Yes, he sees the end all in one. So if that makes a bit of sense for you, so that puts things into a bit of perspective as well, you know, that, um, the act of evil, and it's not that God um, created evil. Now, I'm not saying that at all. God did not create evil, but he created space for evil to exist. He had to allow evil to become about because he needed that space. Otherwise, there would not be that free will. We wouldn't have choice. We'd be automatons sort of thing. So I hope that covers up that part of it a little bit and again if it opens up questions back and forwards you can contact me um, I'm happy to go into this with people so the other thing is is hell is not really talked about in the Bible very much people say it is but it's not um, quite often uh, the the words have been translated to the same thing but some of them actually mean Gehenna which was the uh, garbage dump of the, the New Testament. And he was referring like, um, your life, you'd be better off living in there than, than this if you continue with that path, that sort of thing. You know, uh, Gehenna was a place where, where um, all the poor, the bodies were thrown, all the rubbish, and it was eternally burning. So it was just on fire and burning all this rubbish and everything was just dumped in it. It was a, a horrific place. You can imagine the smell and all this sort of stuff. So it's used as a reference point. Um, and as a description, but doesn't necessarily mean hell, as we think. You see, hell has been um, changed and modified. Like people talk about the gates of hell uh, in in all uh, Christian uh, Judaism in in the scriptures. Nowhere is the gates of hell. You know, that's only in modern translations that you get, and people talk about the gates of hell. Prior to that, and this came around with. Um, uh, a guy called Dante wrote uh, Dante's Inferno, which you may have heard of, um, where he actually talks about the gates of hell and the things he writes in that, which is a poem, uh, has been grabbed and transformed and morphed into affecting some of the Bible. So people talk about the gates of hell, but the previous scriptures and things actually talk about the mouth of hell, not gates. So we got to think that a lot of what common people think of hell and the devil and all these sort of things is actually coming from other sources and not from the original biblical text. So you've got to keep that in mind as well. So we've had a quick look at the origin of evil. Uh, we sort of talked about how that's down to God's love, that, that because of God's love for us, that he had to allow space for evil to exist and for evil to happen. Um, we talked about time, uh, we talked about free will, um, what else was on it? I'm thinking, uh, oh, that was one of the big points they said, um, is, is that reading scripture and talking off what we talk about, the, the fact that one of the problems they had was that separation from God is not possible if God is everywhere and everything and that, and 
Yes, separation from God is definitely possible because of that free will. We can choose to walk away from God. Basically, it's not really that God sends people to hell. It's that we choose to go to hell. You know, there, there was um, something which come up a, long, uh, a while ago, which I read and I sound so fantastic. This idea that, that um, and, and it was a conversation with the devil and was this, this comical piece sort of thing. But something came out of it, which was really interesting for me, was this idea that um, we're talking about the gates of hell and the keys to hell. And the devil goes, ha, you know, those gates haven't been locked for centuries said no one's trapped in hell they can leave anytime they want but no one chooses to that analogy is so good and so true to my mind and the way i perceive it people choose to go to hell what is hell hell is the absence of god if you reject god if you push him away and and you walk away yes you're going to end up in hell whether that's, you know, that's not Gehenna, it's just purely the absence of God. You've got to separate these things like Dante's Inferno and all sort of that sort of stuff on what they perceive is hell. Because that's where we as Christians have predominantly got our images from, is, is from that sort of stuff. And from uh, paintings from the, the medieval era and all this sort of stuff, where we've had these images which have been put on us. And, and we think that's what hell looks like, or that's what the devil looks like, but we're so wrong. So please, you know, do your own uh, and read widely. Um, the Bible's brilliant and great, but read books outside of that as well, because it will help flesh it out. It'll help challenge you to think differently. It'll help you to come to these different ideas and to be able to ponder things better. Um, so separation from God is definitely possible in my book. Um, one of the things which we talk about is original sin, uh, not original sin, sorry, is um, the unforgivable sin. And people often question me, what is that? You know, the unforgivable sin is the sin which which sends you to hell kind of thing, which, which, which gives you that separation from God. And uh, people question it and talk about it and throw it around a bit. But again, what I think the um, unforgivable sin is, is is not something you can do easily or lightly it is a um, very thought out deliberate process and i think it's when you take something which god has done so a miracle which god has created something beautiful something wonderful and you give the credit to the devil for that thing when you give the credit to evil for something which God is creating, then that is the unforgivable sin. And I don't think it's something done lightly, and I don't think it's something like a spare-of-the-moment comment or something. It is a very deliberate action. People are too afraid of this thing because it's it's not really described or spoken about, but it's very different to, to what people perceive. That's my thought anyway. Uh, what else was in the thing? Um, I know I'm missing a lot from what was sent to me, um, but it was very interesting that, that you know, they painted um, why Christ went to the, to the cross and all this. Um, there's so much to unpack here. But the big thing was uh, precisely about hell and do we get sent there. I don't believe we do. We 
I think it's very unlikely that we get sent to hell. I do think it's something we choose when we choose to walk away from God. Because of that free will, he allows us to walk away. And yes, I believe that free will and predetermination uh, pretty much don't matter. It's the same thing. For us, we can get caught up in, in that and uh, lots of cultures and religions do. But the biggest thing is to remember that God is outside of time, is outside of those 10 dimensions. And he looks in and he can see the beginning from the end. He chose you before you were born. He numbered the hairs on your head, but you still have free will to send that course where you want. But God sees the beginning from the end and loves you anyway and wants you to accept him embrace him and have a wonderful life he wants the best for his children but sometimes sometimes those children uh you know for whatever reason many reasons push him away reject him and uh i think it really breaks his heart when people choose through their own actions to go to hell. I guess the other thing we probably should put in there is, is sin. Um, so when Jesus went to the Christ, he, he did a lot, he paid for it all, you know, he, he sealed it. And when we believe in Christ, we are sealed in salvation. And that is something beautiful to behold. That when we believe in Christ and what he did, we are saved. No matter what you've done, no matter what you're doing, no matter what's going on, if you've got that relationship with Christ, you are saved, my friend. Don't let anyone tell you that you're not. The only person who can tell you if you're saved or not is God. And the only person who can decide whether you're saved or not is you. So don't get too caught up in this stuff. Hell is a very interesting topic and evil is a very interesting topic. Our sins, which people say, if uh, you're part of the LGBTIQ community, you're going to hell. Um, if anything, I think that gets them closer to hell than the person in the LGBTIQ community. Reason being is because, yes, uh, being gay or, or lesbian or trans or any of this thing probably is a sin. You know, there is Bible passages again and again and again through the Bible, which which talk about this. Um, but I don't think it's the problem which the, the church and the people make out to, you know, um, Jesus doesn't talk about it. If it was so important, wouldn't Jesus talk about it on his 30 years here, go around warning people that, you know, you can't do that kind of thing. But he doesn't mention it. Um, I can rip apart most of the scriptures which are used to to. Um, attack and abuse these wonderful beautiful brothers and sisters of mine but uh, there's one passage I can't there's one passage I struggle with so it is possibly a sin but what is sin and why is that sin worse it's not it's no different to, to lying, to manipulating, to pride, to um, all these other things, which are probably in that person, which is calling someone else and telling them they're going to go to hell because of their lifestyle. Sin is sin across the board. And it says, you know, in the scripture, the, the wages of sin is death. And again, I don't think 
that is, you're not going to die and go to hell. That's not what it's talking about. Your mind, but not because of the sin. Sin will bring death. If you are in a relationship and you're going outside of that relationship and, and having sex or whatever and, and, and getting out there and doing these things and cheating on your partner, then what's going to happen? That relationship is going to die. If you're out there stealing and manipulating and doing all these things, what's going to happen? Part of you is going to die because of that sin. It doesn't mean you're going to hell. Remember, if you've got that relationship, you're sealed. One thing, one big thing to remember, which has been pulled out of Christianity and is not talked about anywhere near enough, is the other judgments. You know, we come before God. And if we, we know Christ, Christ is standing in front of us. God's over here. And we come up to Christ and we get judged. All God can see is his precious son not us. That's what the relationship is. So he sees his son and no matter what the devil or any accuser says, all he sees is Christ. And he says, go my precious child and move on to that next stage into heaven. But um, if you don't have that, then yes, you're standing there in front of God uh, with everything you've done. But if you've got a relationship with God, if you believe in him, it's sealed. You are saved. Forget about it. But because of um, a lot of the Pentecostal movement and a lot of um, how it became about finances and prosperity doctrine and all of this, we stopped talking about the Bema Seat. See, the Bema Seat is the next judgment. The Bema Seat is described as... Um, this place where all your good works is put onto it, all the th stuff you've done in your life is, is piled up in this big pile. And then the fire's turned on. And everything burns away, which is made of wood and straw and chaff and all that stuff. But what is left is the gold and the, the jewels and the silver and, and, and all this stuff. Everything else is burned away. So the question isn't whether you're going to hell or not. The question is, what is going to burn off you on the way in? What do you need to change now so there's less on that beamer seat which gets burnt away? I hope this makes sense to you. Um, I hope it's a lot to unpack. So I'm really only touching on this briefly, but please reach out if you want to know more. Um, the church stories... Oh, yes, the Bible's good, don't get me wrong. But a lot of the doctrine, a lot of the things, a lot of the stuff which people believe doesn't actually come from the Bible. A lot of it comes from yeah, interpretation in the Bible a little bit with things like the, the gates of hell. Um, but actually, a lot of it comes from other influences, which is then like rendered over the top of what is the Bible. Um, I know I'll get shot for saying that because people are saying, oh, this is the word of God and it's infallible. Um, I believe the word of God is, is yes, infallible, but, but, but the Bible isn't. The Bible is a book. The Bible is a book. The word of God is Christ. Don't get that confused. You know, there, there's been 
multiple copies of the Bible which um, have been recalled, which have been problematic. There's one famous one called the Sinner's Bible, which actually said in it, thou shall commit adultery. There's been so many where there's been printing errors and things and they've gone out and, and that could cause great problems if someone grabbed that and said, oh, this is the Bible and I need to do what it says. The Bible is a book. The word of God is Christ. And that's who we follow. That's who we look for. People bang on about, oh, this is a Bible believing church. Well, you know what? The fringe church, my church is not a Bible believing church. We are a Christ believing church we are a christ following church um for those of you who've been intrigued i hope this has helped and again reach out please add to this but um i love going this and i don't like throwing scripture at people you know i like to try and just explain stuff um and again i may be wrong but this is my thoughts and uh in my research in my studies this is what i believe um but look Read for yourself, make up your own mind, go through the scriptures, uh, and above all, look at Christ. Uh, thanks for that. Um, I'm slowly getting my voice back, so that's good. So I'll be back to yelling at people before too long. But um, love you all. Look, every single person on this planet is redeemable. Every single person on this planet is loved. We can choose not to accept that love. But if you do, that's on you. And I swear it breaks God's heart every time. All right. Hope this makes sense. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to another episode. And please... Don't forget to sign up to the Barackcenter.com or the Fringechurch.com and help support us so we can reach many more. Thank you again for joining us today. <laughs>